Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Friday, the final day of the working week. Hope you have had a phenomenal week wherever you happen to be in this big wide world of ours and looking forward to a restful, recuperative weekend, getting ready to reload for yet another big week in sales and sales leadership next week. So as we finish up the week, just wanted to record a, a probably a shorter podcast today, but it's a message, no doubt, that... Uh, uh, I love recording and I love speaking about because I'm talking to leaders all the time about this and talking to teams about this as well in terms of what they have control over. Now, working with leaders, I get the privilege of observing many of them in action. And it's really, really interesting to see such a wide spectrum of leaders and how they go about their business. And certainly when things happen, a massive wide spectrum on responses and reactions that I tend to observe. And it's anything from... Some being really cool, calm, and collected as if to say, well, if they're any more laid back, in some cases, they'd be horizontal. There just doesn't seem to be anything that phases them. Right through the other end of the spectrum where you've got hotheads that just little things trip them off. And in some cases, you can see their body temperatures increase because they're getting really red and you can literally see steam coming out of their ears. Their eyeballs about to pop. And when they're speaking, they're very, very um, expressive, very emotional, and often... They'll, they'll start to spit because they're just saying so many things in such a fast pace. and It's just really, really funny to watch. And then you watch the responses from their team. And often you see, you see movies and TV shows where people are yelling and screaming and you can see the person who's being on the receiving end just start to move away from them either, either physically with their, uh, with their feet moving backwards or certainly leaning backwards. And it's really, really interesting to see. And some of the people who do this, some of the leaders that I observe do this, as I talked about yesterday, don't necessarily have a level of emotional intelligence that perhaps they should or that we would expect them to given the leadership position they have. And they sometimes wonder why the team is not responding to them and why they're not performing at the level that is expected. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you, you hear me bang on a lot about the fact that I always say that your team is and always will be a reflection of you as a leader. Now, as a leader, therefore, it's incumbent on us to create the environment where teams feel engaged, teams feel as if they can uh, be empowered to make decisions, to take action, but also drive accountability and responsibility for the results and also the actions that they do put out there. Uh, too many leaders, though, spend too much time focusing on spreadsheets and focusing on internal meetings, and in many cases, managing upwards, they don't spend near enough time investing in their team, helping their team, coaching their team, mentoring their team, just creating expectations, but also creating an environment where the team feels comfortable sharing what it is they need to share. Now, is it any wonder when you've got a leader that is pretty much managing by absence or leading by absence that when things proverbially hit the fan, that they go off on all sorts of different tangents because often they're sitting in front of their senior executives and they make all these promises but these promises often are not founded in fact. They're often founded based on a finger-in-the-air type of approach to think, yeah, I think we can do that, and then I'll drive my team to achieve that. Then they start responding and reacting to their teams when the team is not delivering the results that the leader think they should. 
then they go off half-cocked. And this is where the emotional intelligence part comes into it. Now, as we know, one of the core, I guess, fundamentals of leadership, particularly in sales leadership, is to build an environment based on a bedrock of trust. Now, the only way to do that is to earn the right to lead your team through building credibility, being reliable, but also building great relationships. So showing that you genuinely care about the people as human beings, not just as pawns in your game or not just as subordinates in a big corporate hierarchy. So can you build intimacy within your team to the point where they understand and they know and they acknowledge that you genuinely care about them? Now, if you do those three things, and we know, as we've already talked about on the podcast a number of times, you'll have a position where you can be trusted. Now, what intrigues me, certainly when I observe a lot of leaders in the, I guess, in the game, playing the game, and I observe them in action, they'll often think that they're trusted or they believe that the trust comes with the title of sales leader or as leader. And so they'll work on a couple of things. They might be a great technician, so they've been a great salesperson or they've been a great individual contributor and suddenly have been thrown into, I guess, the realm of sales leadership or leadership and hence that they just don't know anything anything different. And this is one of the things that I help leaders do in particular is to make that transition from the individual contributor into a leadership role because the transition is not necessarily easy and the skill set required of a leader compared to an individual contributor is fundamentally different. And so a lot of people find that transition very, very difficult and many people simply don't know what it is they don't know. So they've got a level of, in some cases, unconscious incompetence, but many of them also have a level of conscious incompetence, but for various different reasons, which I won't go into today, they refuse to uh, encapsulate or take on board or embrace the fact there's a number of things they need to put in place in order to build that bedrock of trust. So they think just by being a great technician, they'll ram through and earn the right to lead their team through almost coercion. And it just doesn't work. I mean, having conversations day in and day out purely about numbers, it just doesn't work. You need to have a human side of leadership that really taps into a person's psyche and understanding their behavior style so you can actually adjust your style to suit that particular person. That's what frustrates me the most. And I'm all for knowing your numbers because as a sales leader in particular, you need to know your numbers backwards. But you need to also know the things that people are doing or or should be doing and perhaps they're not doing in terms of behaviors that's leading to those numbers being what they are. Too many sales leaders in particular, though, focus too heavily on the number. And many cases, they actually don't have the answer and they don't necessarily know how to change the behavior or how to help their individual contributor change their behavior. So they'll they'll revert back to just having the really basic uh, fig, uh, figures and numbers-based conversation, which is very surface level, and this is where a lot of the hot-headedness comes from. Now, what is it about leaders, therefore, who are able to look past the obvious, who are able to look past the current situation and continue to make their mark. Well, not only do they have a high level of emotional intelligence like I talked about yesterday, but they also have, as part of that, they have a level of patience. They have a level of calmness about them. There's a groundedness or a steadfastness about them. And they actually ask questions. So there's a level of curiosity that is a really important trait, I believe, that leaders should take more and more uh, uh, notice of and add into their, I guess, their behavioral kit bag or their leadership philosophy. Because one of the things I've noticed about great leaders and certainly exceptional leaders is they have this insatiable level of curiosity. And irrespective of the title, irrespective of the position they have within the organization, they recognize and they're the first person to put their hand up to say, hey, I actually don't have all the answers and I don't need to have all the answers. But I rely upon people to give me information and I'll make judgment calls based on the information. But I'll also ask 
great questions to get information that's going to help me provide either guidance, counsel, coaching, or mentoring. And so one of the things I wanted to talk about today is what is it that these people do that perhaps the ones that are not getting the results, who are the ones that who are potentially uh, causing some some uh, dysfunction within their team through the way they're responding and reacting to their team. That is, they're not having the, the calming conversation. They're just basically telling and then they're, they're breathing fire. What is it that they do that's different? Well, how do they do it? Well, there's one technique that is very, very simple to use. And often the simplest things are the most profound and the most powerful. And this is no exception. And it doesn't come from me. This is not something that I've invented. It comes from a guy who's very, very wise, who's long since gone, but he's an American philosopher by the name of Jim Rohn. Now, if you haven't listened to anything from Jim Rohn, I haven't read any of his uh, books or any of his, uh, I guess, essays back then. He was writing a lot of essays. Uh, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal philosopher who was a business person coming from very, very humble beginnings, uh, but went on to influence millions and millions of people and particularly people in the sales game, and whether it be in corporate sales, business to business, business to consumer, or in fact the direct sales, uh, he was very, very well respected and uh, had a lot of good content to share, which even though he died, I think about 10 years ago, a lot of his best work was back in the 80s and 90s, but even the principles he talked about back then are still as equally prevalent today and equally relevant today as they were back then, so they're timeless. But one of the things, and I've listened to a lot of Jim Rohn, one of the uh, one of the best phrases that he actually uses, and it's and this is the key topic and the key point of today's episode, is as sales leaders in particular, when we find ourselves in a position where we have a salesperson or a team perhaps not performing at the level that we believe they're capable of, or they're choosing not to perform at the level that they know they're capable of, and uh, in the past we might have actually found it really easy to be critical, provide that constructive criticism. Uh, give them feedback that perhaps is tainted with negativity or in some cases react to a situation without thinking. These three simple words can be an absolute game changer. Now, I, I've said before, it's very, very simple. Now, often the simplest things to do are also very simple not to do. And particularly if when I'm dealing with leaders and sales leaders in particular that uh, perhaps have some, uh, let's say, MBAs or some extended uh, qualifications. They're often looking for or expecting some complicated, some quote-unquote strategic framework from which to actually build something or to do something. However, I've found over the years, and uh, you might be in the same boat here, that often the simplest things, the simplest principles, are often the ones that have the biggest impact, and this is no different. So the three words that come from Jim Rohn is this, isn't that Interesting. Now, you might be listening to that and thinking, wow, that is not game-changing. And You mean I've listened to 10 minutes and 45 seconds and we've got to that, and that, that is a massive, massive letdown. But think about this. When something happens, and just take, about, take a scenario where you've got a salesperson who's coming in to talk about a meeting they've just gone to, and they've been given some information back from a customer. They might, leading up to that particular meeting, they might have given, me, given you as a sales leader full confidence that this, this particular deal is going to get over the line and they're going to sign it. So they've given you a 95% probability of closure, which has then meant you've gone and actually committed to your senior leaders that this is a 95 to 100% chance of closing. And the news that's coming back is that your sales executive has just been advised that the company, the customer, has decided to go either in another direction or they've chosen to actually go with your competitor. Now, 
when I talked about it earlier in the podcast, the, the responses and the reactions of some sales leaders, it would be very easy when that information comes back to react very strongly and very impulsively and potentially ask a whole heap of very, uh, let's say, loaded, um, judgment-riddled questions to try and figure out why that has happened, right? And there's a lot of blame and a lot of judgment that might sit with that. But before doing anything, and now you don't necessarily have to say this out loud because this will be contextual, so you've got to really think about the context by which and through which you'll use this. But even in your head, before you do anything and before you say anything, having just received that piece of news, if you said to yourself, hmm, isn't that interesting? What that does, it creates creates a space. Now, it's a technique that creates time, and it's a gap between the event and the response. Now, I talked last week about a formula E plus R equals O, which is the event plus a reaction equals an outcome. The isn't that interesting phraseology, whether you say it verbally out loud to the person in question or you at least say it to yourself, what it does, it gives you some thinking time and in the process, it will start to increase your level of control of the situation. It will start to give you uh, control over the choices you now have in front of you in terms of how you respond and in the process of doing that, it will increase your level of curiosity because the isn't that interesting actually gets you to contemplate what has actually happened. I can now start thinking about what would be some great questions to now ask that salesperson so I can get a better understanding as to how we've arrived at this particular situation. Now, it could well be that I actually didn't question the sales executive hard enough before they gave me the 95% commit. I might have even worked out that I haven't spent enough time with a customer themselves to actually get this particular deal in such a position where I can make a commitment. And so that comes back to me. But when I use that phraseology of isn't that interesting, it creates that space. And what that automatically does is enables me to then control what my response is going to be. And in more cases, I can now be more rational. I can now be more pragmatic. And I can now have a conversation on a little bit more of an even playing field without necessarily being uh, as impacted by the emotion as perhaps I would have been if I had have started to respond immediately to that piece of news. So isn't that interesting? You can use that phraseology for just about anything that happens to you or happens within your environment because what it does, it gives you that thinking time and creates that gap. Now, everything is a choice. Now, if you've got a high level of curiosity, it will prevent you from reacting straight away and sometimes, just sometimes, it will prevent you from saying things and doing things that perhaps in the cold light of day you would not necessarily do. It actually lets you calm down a little bit to start thinking about a little bit more pragmatically and then start thinking more consciously about, right, what is the best response that I can put into this situation? What is the best question I can ask? What is the best action I can take? So as we wrap up this particular episode for the week, I just wanted to share that because isn't that interesting is a really, really simple but very, very powerful three-word sentence that uh, has dramatic, dramatic impact when used consistently. And it's amazing the number of people I share this to, whether it be individuals or collectively as groups in workshops, um, and I get them to go away and try it and implement it, the feedback is amazing. And for many people, the biggest piece of feedback is it actually enables them to minimize or at least reduce their emotions. And this feeds back into the emotional intelligence conversation yesterday is being able to recognize the emotions first of all, but then being able to regulate those emotions. And by saying, isn't that interesting, enables them to do that. Which means, guess what? They end up having better conversations. 
They end up developing a high level of trust because they're not criticizing their team. They're actually acting with a high level of curiosity and they're helping their team get over the hump and the challenge that is in front of them right now. And that has got to be a good thing because it will only help uh, further embed the relationship, but also further embed the trust that's being built up and which is really, really pivotal to us as sales leaders being exceptional. So trust that message help. Trust that message also resonates. And before we wrap up, if you have somebody in your sphere of influence who you think may benefit from listening to either this particular episode or the Exceptional Sales Leader podcast, uh, I would be greatly appreciative if you can maybe share this episode or share the podcast with them and do them a favor as well because the more people we can get listening into podcasts such as this, the better we can lift the entire sales and sales leadership community, not just in Australia, but around the world and become even better at the craft of selling. So with that said, uh, if you are also a sales leader or a leader looking to take your leadership to an exceptional level, or in fact, if you are an aspiring leader looking to break into the sales leadership or the leadership ranks, and you'd like some help to become exceptional and fast track your development to the point where you can become amazing as a leader in a relatively short period of time, then I'd love the opportunity of working with you to do that. Simply go to my calendar, sit down and have a conversation and we'll start to work on a plan and we can start implementing that plan as early as next week. So to do that, simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time and we'll look forward to that conversation. So have a phenomenal weekend and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.